1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.
0: This is Reasons to be Cheerful, with Ed Miliband and Geoff Lloyd. Hello.
3: Hello, sweetie.
4: Hello, darling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got evidence that this podcast is actually changing lives. Go on. Well, it's changed my life. After last week's episode on plastics, yeah, I've stopped using cling film. I've stopped That's using
3: tinfoil. And stopped buying the
4: Lucozade. Yeah, why are you so obsessed with the I idea don't know. that I'm drinking a lot of Lucozade? Yeah, so I'm obsessively putting stuff in Tupperware now, and it's, it's such a good feeling. That's good. I'm uh, thinking of having a Tupperware party.
3: Don't, don't call me. Uh, <laughs> right, no, so I had a thought on this after the last episode. I don't know why we didn't th- think about it or, t- or mention it. There should be... M- public water fountains at train stations in public spaces all of that you know why do you end up having to buy plastic water bottles because there's nowhere to fill up a water bottle yeah and what's interesting
4: is my wife is american yeah and she lived in new york for 20 years everywhere you go in new york there are water
3: fountains and definitely 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 I think it's because the companies probably don't want it, because it means... I mean, it's maybe completely wrong, but but because they otherwise then they wouldn't be able to sell so many so much water. I mean, if there was public water fountains... My wife is very good at, when we're at an airport or something, finding the water fountain, but they're pretty few and far between. But I hear what
4: you're saying, but using America as an example, surely if anywhere is going to be capitalism, yeah. water bottles gone mad, you would yeah. expect it to be there, and they've got water fountains everywhere. You can fill up
3: there, you can fill up anywhere. That's right.
4: They've got one at our leisure centre, and... I, I went to use it the other day. Yeah, it's an t- interesting story. T-
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just being silly. No, I was silly. Yeah, on, Carry on. No, no, I'm. No, really, no, 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 I'm really interested. I want to know no, about the leisure centre. No, you never, went to fill up at the leisure centre. Never telling you the story. No, end of that I really story. want to no. know. Oh no, it's, that's it's what my be, mother used to do to me. It's going to be an
4: unresolved story. Oh, no, it's please, be like, It's going to be like going ba ba da da da.
3: Please, please, I want to know. It's, about the, it's unresolved. I, I and want I'm to know about the leisure centre. No, Honestly, I'm, no, I, Ed. Think of hopefully, the you think will of
4: the learn the future episodes.
3: <laughs> think not of the, to be quite no, so facetious. Think, think
4: of the listeners. I, I, I'm going to. Uh, they
3: want to know the leisure centre story, <laughs> don't you, listeners? <laughs>
4: The trouble is now there is so much weight of expectation on yeah. the Leisure Center story yeah. that it couldn't possibly be. This could be, like the new serial. this could be like the new serial. This <laughs>
3: could be like the new serial, honestly. You know, what happened at the Leisure Center? People will be like doing sketches of the le- Leisure Center, the car park, yeah, you know, yeah. the route you yeah. took, yeah. where was Gene? You know, all of that <laughs> stuff. Reddit threads. <laughs> Tune in next week for yeah. what
4: happened at the um, Leisure Center. What centre. happened at the Leisure yeah. Centre? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, aside from the leisure Centre, what are we talking about this week? Right,
3: we're talking about quantitative easing. Do you know what quantitative easing is? I do. It's, did, when, oh, you... it's, it's when the government pumps money into the yeah. economy to try and stimulate it. I mean, honestly, this is like hard to get your head around, but it is basically the government printing money. And the question about quantitative easing is because I think it's kind of both simple and very complicated as to what happens, what happens to the money. People tend not to talk about it, but there's a kind of hidden, there's multiple hidden stories here about who's benefited from QE, as it's called, uh, whether it's been used for environmental purposes, whether it could be used for better purposes, and we're going to be talking about that with two people who can help us wrap our heads around it and quantitative
4: easing is is not just one thing it's not just the way that we did it after the financial crisis there are lots of different ways of doing
3: it Well, it's happened after the financial crisis is all in the light of the financial crisis but it's a bit like the centre. <laughs> tune in for you know more <laughs> soon on qe and we will be joined by
4: comedian eleanor morton who will be uh, is suggesting some ideas which could be reasons to be cheerful
3: Can I tell you my reason to be cheerful? Oh, here we go. This is going to be interesting.
1: (laughs) Machado pinwheels the bat. Nobody on base. Two men out. Bottom of the ninth. 5-1 Red Sox. Sale winds. He fires. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1.
3: So what do you think that was? Uh, something droning on about the Boston Red Sox? That was Joe Castiglione, who is no. the, the colour announcer for WEEI, which is the Red Sox Whee! radio station. Oh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> just because it's the leisure centre. And uh, it was the Red Sox winning the World Series, which yeah. they did uh, earlier this week. I'm a big Red Sox fan, as you know. I wasn't there for it. Oh. It was in the middle of the night. Oh, dear. Um, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, now I know how it feels. Anyway, it's a big deal. Congratulations. Do you know why it's a big deal? No. Well, uh, was- you've,
4: you've gone on about this before. Something to do with they've not won it for a millennium or a something. Safe space. <laughs> I thought it was a safe space. If I made it an unsafe space, <laughs> yes, it's a you have,
3: yeah. i I want to take it back. Uh, it's an amazing team. Best team Red Sox team I've ever seen. After years of heartbreak, we now had lifting Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you
4: were personally responsible Definitely. in a small
3: way, I'm sure. What's your reason to be jealous? better be good after that one. <laughs>
4: tonight i'm going to see a documentary about one of my favorite bands slow club Oh. Who are on hiatus at the moment, um, and it's sort of a warts and all documentary about what it's like to be in a band. They're a duo, yeah. And w- when when duos have been working together after a certain <laughs> amount of time, these schisms, yeah. these cracks, start artistic to differences, yeah, ex- exactly. It's often over one, the one... issue of leisure, said yes. <laughs> So that's my reason to be cheerful. Well, it sounds great.
0: Reasons to be cheerful: a podcast about ideas with Ed Milliband and Jeff Lloyd.
3: We're joined now by Fran Boyd, who is Executive Director of Positive Money, and Josh Ryan Collins, who's Head of Research at the UCL Institute for Innovation and Public Purpose. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me on. You're going to sort of kind of get us to sort of understand the ABC of QE. So this is a kind of really important task. Why don't we start with Josh? Just what is quantitative
2: easing? So quantitative easing is a rather complicated-sounding term for when the Bank of England attempts to essentially lower longer-term interest rates by buying assets from the financial sector. The reason it does it is because short-term interest rates after the financial crisis reached essentially zero. So the base rate, the policy rate that you hear about every quarter. So they decided then that they would target longer-term interest rates so 5 year or 10 year interest rates typically on government bonds and the main thing they've done is buy government bonds that are out there held by institutional investors like pension funds and insurance companies and the idea is by taking those bonds out of the market the safest type of bonds government bonds those financial investors then choose to buy more risky bonds in particular bonds issued by companies for example so that in the real economy and that the idea is that actually pumps up real economic activity.
3: Do you want to add your own ABC of QE, Fran?
5: Sure. I mean, that was a very good description of it. And the kind of theory behind it is that, you know...
3: It's printing money, isn't
5: it? Yeah. So it's money creation by the central bank on a vast scale.
3: 445 it, yeah. billion by the Bank of England. Exactly.
5: Yeah. And I mean, the, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And... The idea is that it will stimulate the economy. The problem is, is that, as Josh described, it, it goes into financial markets and it basically s- stays there. It pushes up asset prices, but it asset doesn't... Asset
3: prices means...
5: So, costs of stock shares, it actually ends up, putting up pushing up property prices as well.
3: The Bank of England buys bonds, most of them issued by the government, yeah. but bought by pension funds. So, they say to the pension funds, we're buying the bonds. Yeah. Yep. The bond prices go up,
2: correct? Yes, there's the, essentially there's because there's more they're taken demand. out of the market, yeah. there's more demand for them. more yeah.
3: demand, so the prices go up,
2: mm-hmm. what happens next? so then the the yields, which is the opposite of the price, the interest rate falls yeah. essentially, yeah so the amount and,
3: people get back on the yes yeah, so,
2: so so essentially what you're doing is, is you're replacing the bonds held by the inst- the institutional yeah. investors with money, newly created money that's been been created yeah. by the Bank of England, and the interest rate on Bank yeah. of England money is zero it's essentially. Yeah. So, that, so what they want to do is use that money to buy other assets, which does have a return. Does have a they higher be interest rate. Sorry. The institutional investors, the yeah. pension fund, Bank of England's buying from the pension funds. It's going to make them more likely to buy other bonds. Exactly. In the real economy, that's the
3: theory. Yeah. And it's good that the interest rates are low because it's cheaper for
4: businesses to borrow. Yes. And then that right. stimulates the economy. Yeah. Can, can I ask another sort of dumbish question? Like there's no question that's no. dumb on this issue. <laughs> okay. Does just sort of pumping all this new money out of nowhere into the economy does it does it make the money is it worthless? Does it devalue it?
5: It doesn't have that straightforward effect and where we see it having the biggest effect is on um wealth increases of asset prices as I said. So actually By the Bank of England's own research, it's made the the top ten percent of households in this country richer by three hundred and fifty K. Thousand. Three hundred and fifty thousand. Exactly, sorry, three hundred and fifty thousand. Each so just again
3: the transmission mechanism. Lots of demand from the Bank of England for these bonds, prices tend to rise. That includes stock market prices. Mainly it's rich people who've got money in the stock market, they get richer. Yeah,
5: you can just imagine like more money for a finite amount of financial assets, yeah. they go up. Yeah. But the point behind it was, it was trying to get, as Josh said, banks to lend and trying to get a stimulus yeah. in the real economy where most people live and work. And it didn't do that. And it. Had- and so
3: you think it hasn't really supported the economic growth? You've said it's had these sort of problematic distributional effects, but you don't think it's really supported growth because the Bank of England would say, would they? This has helped stop the economy, you know, going Thank off a cliff. You.
5: I mean positive money's position is always maybe it was the best tool available in a hurry in 2009 when it first started but the point is it's keeping our economy structured in a way that we're relying on asset price inflation and high levels of household debt to kind of keep this you know very sluggish growth happening in the UK economy and now we're at a stage where you know wealth inequality is obviously like really out of yeah. control in this country and
3: it's made it worse
5: it's made it hugely worse, and so the negative consequences massively outweigh the positive ones and ten years on from the crash, we need to be thinking of doing things differently right you know, they they expanded the QE program two years ago after the brexit announcement um so we were you know very much. We've got a you know a letter signed by loads of economists saying this is this isn't a good idea. We could be doing things differently.
2: Okay, we're going to come on to that in yeah. a minute. So, are you in the same camp on this. Broadly speaking, yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say that QE did uh, prevent a worse recession, and uh, it stabilised asset prices. Yeah. There's definitely evidence it's wanted yeah. growth in that crisis period, but it's been sort of decreasing returns ever since then. Right, And as Fran says, the inequality effects, I think, at some point start over- to overweigh the other effects.
3: And before we get on to the sort of solutions, there's also another bad effect. And uh, there's been a uh, important paper, I think, written by um, some people at the LSE, London School of Economics on this, because the purchase of corporate bonds, which is a smaller part of, very small part relatively mm. small part but also the Europe that's by the Bank of England but also the European Central Bank it's mainly gone into mm. carbon intensive industries not green industries mm. so mm. so they've been buying these corporate bonds and it's helped like fossil fuel companies more than yeah. renewable companies yeah you know, I mean, right?
2: it's essentially the, the, the bond purchase programme has replicated the market yeah. and the market itself is very skewed towards big established yeah. companies with AAA A credit BP Exxon, yeah. those yeah. kind of yeah. places yeah. so essentially by imitating the market and being market yeah. neutral the bank has effectively created a bit of a carbon lock-in and a skew towards carbon intensive sectors
5: and I, yeah, I think the corporate bond purchase scheme and, and QE in general like, brings into spotlight a bit, a question mark over the role of the central bank and how monetary policy works with um, fiscal policy, essentially. And, you know, there's some serious critiques over corporate bond purchases because mainstream orthodox thinking is that central banks are neutral. So the idea that central banks then go and pick corporations and buy their bonds is problematic in terms of mainstream thinking. And then the fact that they are choosing disproportionately corporates with high fossil fuel sectors is, again,
3: I mean the figures are quite shocking. This is a paper by Dimitri Zengelis and colleagues at the LSE. It says that sixty two percent of the European central bank purchases, I think I'm understanding this, uh, we have gone to manufacturing and electricity production and forty nine percent in relation to the Bank of England. Mm. I and mean, that seems all that seems very concentrated on broadly carbon yeah, intensive. The, the, the central banks essentially
2: don't discriminate between carbon yeah. intensive or non carbon yeah. intensive.
5: And like where we are with central banks and climate change is like it's been exciting how they've they've stepped forward and Mark Carney Mark in particular, and they, but they're looking at through a risk and financial stability lens. Yeah. they're not so happy about being pushed on their monetary policy operations, and that's what Obviously, Josh and I and, and others are are doing to say, well, it's incoherent to say you understand climate change is a risk, to financial stability, but your monetary policy you're just ignoring climate change. Um, but I think you know there's that whole bigger question of, you know, should central banks be choosing um, corporates to buy bonds in? Like, isn't that a role for fiscal policy? For okay. government,
3: for, words, government spending yeah. fiscal policy. Well,
5: and therefore, the whole question of monetary policy and fiscal policy and how they work together comes into question. You know, that's obviously what Positive Money works on as well. So can you give me some
4: better ways of doing QE then?
5: <laughs> sure thing. It is as simple as, as creating new money. So obviously... People that want to see better jobs in the economy, you know, higher employment in sustainable areas would want to see that money going to places that would create those jobs. So, you know, on a very simple s- simple level, it is just around where you direct it. Currently we've seen the new money created just go straight into financial markets into pushing out asset prices. A very simple way of doing it would be taking it to the government's account and they can spend it how they see fit. The different proposals on the table from various different economists or organizations like positive money have been looking at doing at having different outcomes basically. And so, so
3: there's something called people's QE is this what you're so called?
5: <laughs> yeah. So is that
3: what you're talking about and what would that mean?
5: So again, even people's QE has been talked about in different ways, yeah. depending on what you're trying to do. So for depending example, which people
3: are depending about
5: on which people are talking about it, there was a, a proposal like a while ago by um, Colin Hines and Richard Murphy, uh, actually Jeremy Corbyn picked it up in his leadership campaign, and they were kind of just very specifically saying that this money created by the central bank should be going to government spending. So
3: that would be like just building houses or yeah buying what sort of you know building hospitals or
5: schools
4: it'd be the government deciding that not the not the bank
5: there's kind of different lenses you need to look through one what what's your objective Are are you trying to target um inflation or are you looking at increasing employment or are you looking at reducing private sector debt and what's your institutional arrangement for doing so so you could create and allocate money through the bank of england or you know, but. One of the reasons that this is quite a exciting and radical idea is that it does force the question of how do we get the central bank and the treasury to work together for kind of macroeconomic policy objectives, which is, you know, better employment or, or whatever we want to see.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, what I would say is there's been lots of different proposals, but there's been two main ideas about how you might do this. Yeah. One of the yep. main ideas um, that has been pushed quite hard by many sort of more right-wing or free market oriented economists is this idea of a helicopter drop named after milton friedman where you literally would just credit households accounts with money yeah so you give everyone one yeah. and a half thousand actually australia did i mean this. adair turner i think yeah adair director
3: of the financial services authority
2: yeah adair a the cbi has proposed something yeah, similar yeah it's, it's quite a popular yeah. proposal um, i'm actually less supportive of that proposal right. because i think there's a if you give everyone you know yeah. the poorer people might might spend yeah. it definitely on buy, buying yeah. stuff you know and paying for their rent but uh, richer people might not richer people might just save the money yeah. or they might use it to buy more, even more expensive houses and yeah. you know invest in yeah. in assets so I think a better solution, a better approach, um, and I wrote a report called "Strategic Quantitative Easing" a few years ago on this, would be for the for the central bank to buy bonds issued by, for example, the British Business Bank or a Green Investment Bank if we hadn't privatized it. And that British Business Bank and the Green Investment Bank do what? So they they are essentially committed to lending to building houses investing in green energy infrastructure stuff that you know is going to actually support the economy in a sustainable way um another option would be to buy to to buy bonds for local to enable local authorities and how
3: is that strategic qe as you call it different from what is being done at the moment when they're when the bank of england is buying bonds from
2: so so, so at the moment the 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 bank's buying government bonds mainly also corporate bonds already been purchased in the secondary market and hoping. the secondary
3: market means pension funds and so on yeah, yeah? The, the, yeah. the private sector's bought the bonds yeah. already
2: and hoping essentially that that money will be spent in the real economy but in fact they're free to do whatever they want they can sit on the money they can spend it on buying shares in other companies So they being the institutional investors that pension yeah. funds etc so so in a sense it's unstrategic and it's and sort of hoping the market will do forgive the right me thing for being very very simplistic about this but if you had that
3: british business bank or green investment bank issuing these bonds yeah what, why is it better to have the bank of england buying them what what does that get you that them just selling them the bonds on the open market
2: doesn't get you well you might get a lower interest rate right which would be useful right um, so it's a
3: way of supporting investment the yeah. government wants to I mean, see.
2: Yeah. And the other point about when the Bank of England buys any kind of bond, it has a very strong signalling effect on the wider economy. It essentially says these kinds of assets are sound as safe and everyone so it can crowd in more Right, that's really finance.
3: interesting.
5: Yeah, I mean... That's- you
3: support his
2: strategic QE.
5: I do, and I think, you know, there, there are various proposals on the table, and that, in a way, is in a way most close to what uh, the current QE looks like. And, it, you know, there's absolutely no reason that they shouldn't... If they were going to consider buying 10 billion of corporate bonds, they shouldn't have considered buying some bonds in the Green Investment Bank, even though it's been privatised, all the business investment bank. However, just building on the helicopter money proposal, I still think that that is an interesting one to consider because of where we are with high household and private debt in this and country low,
3: very low growth i mean the budget in exactly. this week in a way it's been the least remarked part of the budget yeah it, you know growth is like one between 1. 1.3 and 1.6 percent which is incredibly low for the coming years and then we know there's some reasons specific reasons for that but that is
5: yeah and that's it, not good especially when in absolute terms our private debt is higher than it's ever been it's like unsecured debt i think is around 300 billion and you know that's the biggest kind of risk to financial instability to destabilizing the economy again so you know there's obviously some really good work on how we need to look at regulating high cost credit etc but a lot of campaigners and economists are coming out and saying we actually have to write off some of this private debt in some way shape or form so advocates of, of helicopter money say well this is a way that you can basically give every household the same amount those Sounds that are in debt, too good to be write
4: off. It? It and you said they
2: tried it in Australia. Well, in Australia, they, they did. Uh, it, they, they didn't use the central bank to fund it. They just increased the deficit essentially. But it was effective in, in reflating the economy. Um, and I'd agree with, with Fran that I think if we had another crisis, that might be in the short term the best yeah. the best option. So why don't governments just do this instead of borrowing money then?
5: Mainstream heterodox economic thinking. No, sorry, mainstream orthodox economic thinking.
3: And also it's sort of funny, isn't it? Because when printing money was first announced, I remember George Osborne, Gordon Brown announced it, George Osborne attacked him, said, Oh, this is terrible. We're now reduced to printing money, you know, and it then sort of became accepted because obviously it was a sensible thing to do. And it's a sort of there's quite a lot of convention that has already been broken. Yeah, exactly.
5: In doing QE. And obviously having QE and austerity at Previously, the same it was associated time associated with the
3: sort of weimar republic or yeah. you know whatever i mean it was sort of was seen as kind of slightly crackpot wasn't it
5: i don't know we could talk more josh knows a lot about the where qe came from and you know how it was kind of invented by richard verner at the bank of japan and it wasn't really meant to be done in the in the way it's been done but i think the key is that we haven't seen enough discussion about the effects of it and the fact that essentially once you start doing qe you know it is kind of financial wizardry and the cat's out the bag but i
3: think it's a really interesting point that if this was had been a sort of major redistribution to the rich which had been done explicitly through government exactly people would have been saying well hang on is this the right thing to do mm. isn't there yeah. another way of doing it and so on. but because it's all such so
2: mm. kind of complicated and head mm. mind bending
3: mm.
5: yeah
2: but it's it's not it's not really that complicated and i mean well, <laughs> we'll let the listener be the judge of that uh, yeah, i mean it's, 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 i mean cent, the central banks buy government bonds sure, all the time sure, sure, sure. in the normal process right. of monetary policy right because they they pump money into the economy when right. they think di- inflation is too low right and they take money out when they think okay, inflation that makes it sound like it's more normal then and all this is is a is an expansion of that normal right. operation on a very large scale in terms of the actual procedural right. process okay So they didn't need to use the word quantitative easing, I don't think.
5: But it is the scale of which. But the
2: scale is important. And there is a democratic... 435 billion
3: is quite a lot. There
2: is an important democratic problem with it, I think, um, which is the decision-making process, not so much about the amount of money to to create, but what sort of bonds to purchase, what sort of assets to purchase. Was not subject to enough democratic scrutiny, in my opinion. Interesting. So, I mean, the monetary, we have this monetary policy committee, which is in, you know, made up of 12 independent yeah. experts. Fair enough. But we don't have the equivalent. No, nine, sorry, nine. Nine, yeah. nine monetary policy yeah. experts. But we don't have the equivalent monetary allocation committee, right? We don't have anyone who says. Well, maybe we should make Jeff the chair of the monetary allocation
3: <laughs> committee. Do you feel qualified after this discussion to be the chair? I mean, I'll have
5: a crack at it. <laughs> yeah. I think you'll do a better job. I think job I'm as qualified and, as anyone. I mean, look, exactly. you've been on
3: Radio 6, Radio 5, and, and Radio, Radio 2. 2 yeah. So, I mean, you know, you could, do,
2: you could be chair of the Monetary Allocation
3: Committee.
5: You would do a good job as the MPC for sure.
2: <laughs> but the, um, the, the point I was, I was just trying to make, sorry, was was that um, actually the decision was basically made by the governor and the two deputy governors yeah. behind closed doors, no real scrutiny, whether to buy government bonds, whether to buy corporate bonds, you know, what what to buy. Um, and I think that's an issue. What's the
3: barriers to introducing this? I mean, you know, people, some people might say, well, this all sounds very, very like free lunch. And what if the financial markets thought, well, this is just sort of spending gone mad, blah, blah, blah. Is that a barrier? Is that real? Is it non-real? What?
5: I mean, the, some of the financial markets think helicopters on its way. There was a poll done right. of, of hedge funds that showed like, can't remember the exact figure right. but a lot of them thought that a helicopter was going to have to wow. happen in one of the most advanced economies in the next wow. kind of few years
4: because of the private debt
5: and yeah no growth um, secular and secular stagnation, stagnation and, and basically the fact that the model of the economy for the last few decades is broken and we need to do other things um so it's it's been talked about a lot but obviously within central banks you know they still if they are, you know, they're questioned about it when the governor's been questioned about it by journalists and they still dismiss it as an idea that is, you know, on the fringes. Yes. But I think what isn't on, a, on the fringe anymore is, is, you know, Josh's point around the democratic aspect of how... The decision making around QE, the fact that it wasn't really scrutinized, brings into question how do central banks work and in whose interests if they are essentially maintaining financial markets rather than helping money to get into the real economy. And so where the conversation has shifted is around, you know, there's an understanding that monetary policy isn't this neutral um tools that you know technocrats just go and do their very neutral work in the bank of england actually you know it has real social outcomes and economic outcomes and it's political essentially so um it
3: needs to be this needs to be the subject of democratic debate is what you're saying
5: exactly
2: i mean i would i would advocate for you know a commission into monetary policy shared budget (laughs) possibly jeff could share that as well that might be a bit too much on his plate we didn't really have that after the financial crisis we didn't have a commission explicitly looking into the it's sort of make up as you go along basically creation of money by the monetary system yeah Yeah.
5: and and we you know we've we've positive moneys advocate for a long time a a kind of monetary commission and we've had various you know uh, fragments of political support across all wings you know but obviously now we've got Brexit and, and it's kind of gone out the window in terms of the Treasury Select Committee. But the Treasury Select Committee do get this stuff. So just before the 2017 election, they were they were in the midst of doing a, an inquiry into QE and its problems and right. we were submitting and I, right. you know, I was due in to give oral evidence and then the election was called, so it got dropped, unfortunately. Right. But, you know, people do understand that um, there needs to be a bit of a discussion and this is kind of being... Um, this, this, the conversation is building, like across, you know, across the world. Right. Just and one,
2: uh, yeah. one other point: the key objection that the central bank, central banks, typically make to this kind of approach is that it will inherently a loss of independence will lead to inflationary outcomes. Right. Now that argument's become increasingly weak in the last because 30 inflation years. is so low. Because inflation's been below target right. since the crisis almost everywhere. So the bank, central banks have been consistently missing right. their target; it's been too low. So I think you need to... What has been happening is enormous asset price inflation. House prices going up. Price of shares has been going up. So there needs to be a configuration there, reconfiguration. And do any countries do quantitative easing in the
4: way that you recommend?
5: No. So, yeah, so the main QE programmes have been carried out in the US... Uh, the uk japan and the ecb and all of them have been done essentially in the way that we've
2: yeah i mean japan's japan's been slightly different in the sense that the central bank's presented its qe program as a package with a highly expansionary fiscal policy the opposite of what's happened here where they did qe and the government right. contracted spending so i think that's a more sensible way of doing it the treasury and the central bank working together we need to reflate the economy we will increase spending will will yeah. create this money to support it
4: so we dream of a utopia on this podcast, which is the Jeffocracy. I'm a Great. benign leader. I'd also, well, I wouldn't renounce my uh, role as uh, head of the uh, monetary, monetary, monetary allocation, allocation committee. committee. But if I if I were to appoint the two of you joint, I mean, would it be governor of the Bank of England? Do you think? Would it yeah. be the Chancellor? Job what, chair. Yeah, Yeah. What, what would the what would be the thing you did day one, first thing?
2: I would essentially create a new piece of legislation that would require all banks to, to ensure that 30% of all their lending supported the real economy, non-financial firms, not, not mortgages, not lending to other financial firms, but, but supported real businesses. And I would also give the Bank of England a secondary inflation target for um, house price inflation. So keep house price inflation 1%, 2%. Um, I think that would help. <laughs>
5: I'd probably also get rid of the current monetary policy committee and get some new people involved, um, have a few more radical ideas and, and people that would like, would support the idea of monetary financing or QE for people.
4: So you'd have a la- night of the long knives?
5: Potentially. I wouldn't do it on day one. <laughs> right. Um, but I think we need, some, we need some less pale male and stale men running <laughs> the Bank of England and um, think about getting some new ideas in there. I'd also get the Bank of England to um, commit to looking at climate change in terms of its monetary policy operations and getting sustainability hardwired into its mandate.
2: Agreed.
4: Great. (laughs) Fran, Josh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. So what did you think? Well, firstly, it did make my head spin a little bit. There were definitely bits where I was struggling to follow it.
3: Me too and I've got a master's in economics. So <laughs>
4: okay I don't feel quite no. so bad about myself now. I mean it needs looking at if it's this you know massive undertaking that the government did in the wake of the financial crisis and it's, it's had this outcome of more inequality and wealth ending up in the hands of the rich, the rich getting richer and so on. I'm, I'm really interested in the different ways of doing it. The, the sort of bit of head-scratching that I've been doing is what does it do to the independence of the bank of england yeah. You know, how, how if the bank of england is, is choosing to invest in this qe in different kinds of ways how is that not politicized but i guess they would say it's politicized anyway. Yeah. know where the money went
3: um so that's- I mean, obviously that's something you'd have to handle as chair of the monetary allocation committee <laughs> um yeah i think your analysis i kind of really agree with i think i think the reason it's good we did it is that You know, there's been this massive undertaking, massive impact on the economy, on distribution, on who's being supported, with no public debate at all. But it's so head-scratchingly confusing, complicated, and hard to understand. And I think it is right that there's a debate about it. I think you're also right to say, well, maybe people would say, well, this is interfering with the Bank of England. But, I mean, they're having a massive distributional impact apart from anything else. And how is that not a political sort of question
0: you're listening to reasons to be cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd
1: small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five-in-one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from rust Quality
0: sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
4: So we'd love to hear from you. If you've been inspired by what you've heard about quantitative easing and how it could be done uh, differently, tell us your thoughts, give us ideas for future episodes. You can email us reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at cheerfulpodcast. We're on Instagram as well. And facebook.com stroke reasons to be cheerful you podcast. Can do it while you're at the legend. as well. This comes from uh, Dr. Malcolm White in glasgow uh, firstly malcolm um, talks about uh, the climate change and plastics that we talked about last week and suggests that we should all be writing to our mp's and msp's re climate change do you find like a personalized email from a constituent has more weight than you know a petition definitely. or just a cut and paste thing
3: definitely and i'm afraid i think mp's have sort of got to the stage where they tend to pay less attention to the sort of standard email uh whereas i think specific i mean they don't pay no attention but i think i think the more personal the better yeah
4: Uh, he continues another issue close to my heart uh, that would make an interesting podcast topic would be that of industry led consumerism I'm studying a masters in obesity and one of the drivers of western obesity and pollution is the consumerist culture obesity itself would of course make a very interesting podcast but it would be a worthwhile challenge to address the topic without just blaming people for their size fat shaming so much of obesity is outside of a person's control and driven by industrial processed food and drink poverty genetics and so on government policy and many more uh courses
3: uh this one comes from matthew cracknell i was really struck by the excellent karen mccluskey for your live show on gang knife crime that was one from edinburgh and i was particularly interested in her ideas on early intervention and early years care i'd love to know more about what could that could look like in practice I appreciate that governments often have a need for instant, tangible results, but I really think if done properly, early interventions can have real long term benefits. Related to this is the idea of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and the role trauma can play in impacting people's lives. And he's linked to a couple of articles uh, which talk about this. Uh, keep up the good work. Kind regards, Matt Cracknell.
4: This comes from Else, who says, uh, Hi, Ed and Jeff. Uh, and Else suggests that we. Um, We do an episode about challenges faced by policing in the UK at the moment, which would be a good idea for an episode. Else also adds, uh, anyway, thank you for the podcast, and I'll keep spreading the word. I've got two people listening so far. It's turning into a bit of a cult. Maybe there should be some kind of secret handshake involved. Have
3: you ever had anyone give you a secret handshake?
4: No. I mean, I just, I'm guessing that any Freemasons that I've
3: met have, have looked at me and What thought, is the not- Masonic one?
4: Isn't it? Do you get your index finger and do a little tickle on the, on the have, palm of the happened hand. to me.
3: I can't exactly remember where it happened to me, but it happened to me. I think it was before I was an MP. S- somebody just assumed that you. Well, somebody did that handshake with me.
4: Wow. Yeah. So that's somebody thinking, oh, he maybe he's one of the yeah. shadowy elite nobody's ever thought that about me no i didn't do it but suggestions for reasons to be cheerful handshake
3: it couldn't be the same as the masonic one i don't think
4: no no because it's probably
3: trademarked probably <laughs> yeah. uh, this one comes from eva devolk uh hi ed and jeff i have recently found my own reason to be cheerful i've become involved with the good country the good country is a new project by simon Anholt. They've quite literally started a new country that everyone can become a citizen of. The ideas that people from all over the world who share the good country's belief in global citizenship become a big international community and show the rest of the world that working together we'll have a much better chance of tackling global challenges like climate change, inequality and migration citizens are empowered to learn more about these issues and contribute in whatever way they can whether it's spreading the word about the good country or getting involved in drafting policies when i joined i immediately thought reasons to be cheerful as this seems like the kind of initiative you would cover on the podcast that sounds great i think a good name for it might be the jeffocracy
4: the good country
3: maybe we should suggest
0: it's more catchy
3: than the good country
0: yeah Email us, reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Cheerful Podcast. Or search for our Facebook page, Reasons to be Cheerful Podcast.
4: Uh, joining us now to pitch some ideas, comedian Eleanor Morton. Hello. Hello. I, I'm looking at you and straight away I feel like I have an ally. It's <laughs> uh, a, a conversation that sometimes crops up on this podcast is, Ed, you, you would move somewhere sunny in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? Definitely. Whereas, Eleanor, you, you look like me. You prefer to skulk in the shadows. Oh, yeah.
6: Well, I'm from Edinburgh, so... That's what I'm used to.
4: Eleni, you've brought some ideas along with you. Do you want to talk us through? What's what's your first one? My
6: first one is um, there should be a freelancer card, like a student card, discount card. And that is because we live in a world where people, uh, grown adults still need discounts for things because the economy is terrible. Um, And this is mostly to benefit me and my friends. I think it's a really good idea. So
4: what would you be getting discounts on as a freelancer? This is
6: like... um, just everything, everything students forget. Yeah, rail travel, um buses. M- Museums. You're going to
3: get buses, do you? If y- you're
4: a yeah, you do. Yeah,
6: yeah. I think so. some of them do. Entrance to things, uh, cultural stuff.
4: What about coffee?
6: Coffee, yes, because that's. Mostly what we eat. do, you
3: get a student discount for coffee.
4: But well, no, but freelancers drink a lot of coffee yeah, yeah, there in coffee shops on their computers, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Although, I always feel guilty if I'm doing that because I think I'm taking up a lot of time. I always uh, so I try and buy at least a funny. coffee every 45 minutes <laughs> that's to come really You've
6: got such, you're such a social conscience.
3: I do,
4: you do. <laughs> Why are you surprised about that? <laughs> I don't
6: know.
3: <laughs> 58 episodes in, I'm shocked.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I always just go to like a big chain coffee shop and then I don't feel guilty, right? Ah, so, you've got, got social man. conscience
3: too, but if it's yeah. an independent coffee shop, you would buy every 40 yes no i would
6: definitely and i'd be very much and i and i want to enjoy it more i probably wouldn't work there I'd pr- i only go to starbucks and, and the places like that because i know they don't really care
3: mm. I, i'm in favor of this by the way
6: it's a good idea i mean
3: actually to be honest we should go the whole hog and freelancers should have like the welfare state as well yeah that I would mean, be really nice you know yes, I mean? please. Like, pension sick <laughs> pay oh yeah other Maternity things leave. you know all of this you know it's like i mean it, it sort of goes very wide yeah doesn't it? I yeah i mean i was about to say amazon and obviously it's not freelancers but it's a similar no. op- it's a similar thing gig, stuff, gig yeah. economy yeah
6: and it's more and more i think people are doing yeah. freelance stuff and and going freelance so that would be nice just because you know it does take uh a lot of money to do a lot of things
4: all right what do you uh, what do you have next for us Ella?
6: um all adults should get an adult box on their 18th birthday
4: Oh, now this is like in Finland. If you have a yes. baby, you get a, a box well, of stuff when they're born. They
6: introduced it in Scotland last year. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, just in time for my friend who's having a baby. I thought it was just amazing. They had, you get so much stuff: you get clothes, you get a little mattress, uh, you get uh, sort of feeding equipment, booklets on stuff.
3: Dare I ask what is going to be in the adult box?
6: <laughs> yeah, I did think it sounded a bit um, adult. What, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, um, a booklet on how taxes work. Oh,
3: I see what you yeah, mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, right. I'm how getting to be your an adult?
6: Preparing you for being an adult. I see. So mittens. Mittens. Yes, because it's cold.
3: <laughs> uh, you're not talking about some naughty things.
6: No, no, no things things that adults need. You
3: throw in a couple of naughty. <laughs> things. Yeah, no, I
6: think I think condoms and things to yeah. be responsible. No, then not
3: naughty, exactly. But
6: you know, I think maybe like a five pack of socks and yes. just you know a recipe book, just a whole bunch of stuff. No one teaches you at school that picture you, of wheat fields. Yes, lovely, <laughs> just, just for fun, just for for those naughty adult
3: things. coloring book.
6: Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
4: To the that's the thing people do no, for mindfulness.
6: It's very relaxing. What is an adult
4: coloring? Book? Well, again, it's I mean, oh, uh, see, it's <laughs> <all> A, yeah, <laughs> right. I see.
6: It's just lovely pictures and patterns. There's it? a
3: Jeremy Corbyn coloring um, coloring book.
6: Yeah, you? is that right? Yeah. Yeah. There's one for everything. Would you
3: like it for Christmas? Uh, um, uh, no. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's making me think though. Maybe we should do a coloring book as merch.
6: <laughs> maybe. Um,
4: right. Okay, we're into the adult ones. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else you got for us
6: uh, Parliament should be a moving road show
4: yeah so this would be like the Radio 1 Roadshow. show they'd be throwing yeah. out t-shirts yeah, playing fun games
6: just obviously I think you know it doesn't make sense in today's world to have a parliament in one place because I used to work for an MP for Ooh, Chris really? Law in, in the SNP oh right
3: Plus, so you worked in I worked,
6: parliament I worked I worked in parliament yes wow um, in Portcullis House wow just for a couple of months and
3: you lived to tell the tale yeah
6: well I sort of was like, this isn't a good day job for a comedian. You can't really do both. Or this isn't a good day job. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great to get a free tour of um, Westminster because it's about 20 quid to do it as a tourist. So
4: (laughs) So you'd recommend getting a job there to to save on the admission price? Absolutely,
6: yes. Yeah, no, so it became apparent, especially MPs in, like, the north of Scotland and stuff you have to work for a couple of days and then go home for a couple of days and it just seems crazy the amount of travel so if it went around the UK I mean I
3: think in principle it's a really good idea yeah. and I thought because we have to move out of Parliament you yeah. know, because it's all falling Swollen
6: down,
3: down yeah. the, 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 and I, so I thought why can't we move it to Birmingham but I mean apparently the costs are sort of absolutely astronomical I can
6: imagine yeah um, why Birmingham just because well I don't know because I
3: thought it was near bar- I mean sort of near, you know you can imagine on HS2 when we move out we would be able to get yeah. there quickly and blah blah you know, Parliament is just like... I don't know. I think it's incredibly off-putting for people. Mm. I think the whole thing... I mean, imagine if it came to a community, it would be a big deal.
6: Well, that's the thing. You, but you could, you know, you could make it like Antiques Roadshow. You know, you could have events and you could talk to them. Is that and... a comment
3: on the MB. <laughs> <laughs> that's more the House of Lords, actually. Uh, that would be a whole
6: different yeah, roadshow. Whole... <laughs> so I've you... discovered
3: an 80-year-old lord. How much is, <laughs> how much is he worth?
6: Uh, yeah, it would just go around the country and it would be big event, everyone could go and talk to their MPs. Also it'd be totally
3: transformative in terms of the sort of opening up and the accessibility. I think if you could find a way of pulling this off it would be really good. Okay. Alright, what else you got, Elena?
6: Everyone should be paid the same, which isn't funny, but I just think that's Mm. my opinion.
3: Absolutely the same.
6: Absolutely the same. I mean I really haven't thought about it enough so So
3: like your
4: job is hard thinking up jokes and writing things out of thin air. What would stop you from thinking, oh, I'm I'm not going to do that? I'll just be um, a night watchman instead and sit doing a word search on some beach,
3: But
6: that might be more useful to people, you know, people need night watchmen. But also, yeah.
3: she loves doing, being comedians.
4: Yeah. Don't
6: you? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Are there any other. I mean, I can't think of a single other <laughs> floor with this plan. <laughs> I mean, you could have more equal.
6: The the idea is that. I
3: think more equal than now. I'm very, yeah. totally in favour of yeah, that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because
6: the idea is that, like, you know, people think something like. Quite low paid, like being a bin man, is actually just as equal, equally important to society as being a businessman or a lawyer or a banker or a doctor. Because if a bin man stops doing his job, then that's pretty bad for the, the country. You know, everything's piling up.
3: And- I mean, what must be right? I mean, our the way the market rewards who it rewards for mm-hmm. how much is mm-hmm. absolutely has no very little connection yes. to social usefulness. Yeah. I mean, I always think of people who look after the elderly who such an important job and they get paid the worst wages.
6: Yeah, and also, you know, people say they work harder than someone else, but, you know, if we all feel exactly the same amount tired at the end of the day, then, you know, haven't we all worked the same amount of, of, you
3: know... Is this part of the Jeffocracy?
4: More (laughs) equal is part of the Jeffocracy, is my guess. Yeah, more equal, I think. I'm just thinking of lazy people
3: like me.
6: Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't spoken to an economist about it because I feel like they'd point out a lot of flaws immediately.
3: Is your show about politics?
6: I don't really talk about politics in my show because i
3: just get too angry and depressed but those
6: are the ideas very good great we like them
3: <laughs> yeah Eleanor
4: morton morton thanks so much thank you
0: reasons to be cheerful with ed milliband and jeff lloyd
4: so there we go the end of another podcast here we are again in the outro remember remember oh because this podcast will come out on guy's yes. tonight night yeah yes are you a fan i'm a pet <laughs> Oh, so you're saying you know I stay indoors, yeah, yeah, and try
3: not to bark at the window. Yeah,
4: it is uh, awful. It is awful for animals, actually.
3: Well, I wasn't really thinking of the animals. I was thinking of myself. I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit underwhelmed by fireworks. Uh, I'm afraid that's
4: a very interesting aspect of your personality yeah. because
3: you know I, d- I don't like the way fireworks upset animals
4: and things. But then when I'm looking at them, they're quite spectacular. But you just think, Meh. Are they not, thinking, Meh. Are they not?
3: Have you not? Are they not like once you've seen one set, you've seen them all? Yeah, but you don't see them that often, do you? Maybe. I remember going to the Millennium Fireworks, you know, 1999, <laughs> uh, and I remember being really underwhelmed. I still stood in the cold on the bridge and the Blarge. Remember, it was a mm. whole thing about them. I mean, at least I wasn't at the Dome having to sort of, you know, put in the Queen in an embarrassing position, think old Lang Syne with her. <laughs>
4: uh, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. An interesting thing is, um, I, I associate fireworks with cold weather crisp cold oh that's quite
3: nice but my
4: wife being american she thinks of hot weather because they have them on the fourth of july isn't that interesting they must have different associations penny for the guys sort of faded out hasn't it yeah i think it's been superseded by trick-or-treat hasn't it yeah it
3: it is interesting isn't it the way these cultural trends
4: yeah but are you going to the fireworks uh, I'm not I might sort of check a few bonfires for hedgehogs as a as an act of community well, that's service good. before that and, speaks but, very well for you yeah, yeah but no I don't think so
3: should we do our thank yous we should I'm going to thank uh, Fran Boyt and Josh Ryan Collins for an excellent discussion and
4: I'd like to thank Eleanor Morton for excellent ideas Emma Corsham produces our podcast uh, our idents were made by James Deacon Ed Seed composed the music and the Emily, Emily Power. Power yeah He's been a hedgehog rescuer. He's been a baked potato in tinfoil. And these have been reasons
1: to be cheerful. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustolium's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.